Welcome once again to the Irish NFL podcast, bringing you a uniquely Irish perspective on all things NFL. As always, this is brought to you by three rabid NFL fans. We have Brian, the gregarious Giants fan. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you? We have Gordon, the sedate Steelers fan. Good to be back. And we have myself, Mark, who's the passionate Patriots fan of the three of us. As said, we will cover all things NFL, and today we are going to deal with a few stories that have been cropping up in the off-season in the last few weeks. Gentlemen, hello, how are you doing? You enjoyed the last few weeks? Nice little break, you know? Yeah. Enjoying the off-season of the NFL, the stories, you know? Yeah, it was, it was a bit random. We kind of took a couple of weeks off from the pod thinking, that's oh, the quiet period, we'll pick it up at the start of training camp, and, and lots has been happening. Yeah, behind-the-scenes stuff, it's been an interesting one. Uh, it's good to be kind of, now we're pretty much back in the season. Feels we're in full mode, ready to go, and yeah, only a couple of more weeks, you know. So it's uh, getting close. Yeah, getting close. the first, enjoyable uh, part. First preseason game tomorrow night, Arizona and Dallas in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, absolutely, and the stunning quality oh, yeah. of football shown yeah. in relation to it. I, I was reading, obviously, Arizona arresting their start top two quarterbacks. So isn't it Sanchez is their third stringer who's going to start an NFL game again? So uh didn't even know that. Yeah, Jesus. Mark Sanchez, yeah. third stringer in Cardinals. So they couldn't now. even get the pitch ready last year in time. For, they had only had, for the three, three, game. only had three or four months to get the, the pitch ready. Shows yeah. the importance of that game at this stage. Well it, yeah. however it's we, more about the uh, Hall of Fame on Saturday evening to be honest and who gets brought in. That's true. Um, LT, Lanladini and Tomlinson is one of the big ones from the Chargers and there's there's others as always in relation yeah. to it. It's a nice ceremony for them and hopefully they don't go on as long as Favre did a couple of years ago. Um, a reminder to listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at IrishNFLPod and subscribe to the channel and to the pods on iTunes and SoundCloud. We'll get going today. Brian, uh, before we get on to training camp, which is obviously the big news, people are hitting each other again, which is great. Uh What's been a couple of major stories in the last few weeks that maybe we haven't been here to talk about? Yeah, I suppose uh, prior to uh, training camp starting, you had a, couple, a number of players on franchise tags. Um, you know, generally, they put them on franchise tag trying to resolve, I suppose, the contract long term. Um, two in particular, uh, Core Cousins and uh, Levian Bell. Bell. Yeah, so Core Cousins, um, I think inevitably this one, he's going to end up leaving next free season. Um, in the free agency next year, he's going to be guaranteed. He's guaranteed a salary of twenty-four million this year, but um, there was a contract offer um, deemed to be the second best in the NFL for quarterbacks. Uh, the Redskins president confirmed that, which was offering twenty-two million over um, a five-year contract. He's refused to sign that contract, and he's going to play on the franchise tag next year. So this is going to be the second year in a row in which Cole Cousins has played on. I don't. I don't believe you can have a franchise for three years in a row. So they're going to have to come to a compromise. You, you can, but it's a penalty provision. So I okay. think it'd be thirty million, if I remember correctly, against the tag. He's the first ever quarterback on a franchise tag um, two, two years, years in a row. row. Yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting one for him. I think when the president calls you Kurt yeah. <laughs> and can't get your name right in an interview five times, I think that pretty much seals the deal that. You're not that important in the building. Yeah, it was it was bizarre that they announced the details of the deal they made to him. They basically publicly trashed him for saying, "Yeah, why didn't you accept this?" And then called him the wrong name. We, you know, it's not I, looking. I, I think at this stage they feel they've done as much as they can. They've gone as far down the road as they can in terms of getting knocked down. And he hasn't signed a contract, so I think there's a peacekeeping piece there in terms of making sure the fans 
who support the Redskins are aware that look, we're doing our utmost here to get him locked into a long-term contract. We see him as our quarterback for the future. He's the one that signed the deal at this stage. Mm-hmm. I think as well, we think back to what we discussed on our very first one where we were talking about two particular quarterbacks in which the San Francisco 49ers brought in and we were saying they were second-rate uh, quarterbacks. And I think that's an empty where I believe he'll end up next season. I think he... I think he knows himself. I think Har- sorry, Shanahan in San Francisco was kind of thinking, right, we've got an opportunity to bring him in in next preseason. So um, I think that's where he's yeah. going to end up. Yeah, that's just apparently that's what well, I mean. Say, just so. as a straw poll, I mean, do you guys think he's crazy or crazy brilliant for this? I mean, is it a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush type of thing? Do you turn down a hundred million, but effectively with a vast majority guaranteed over five years, for the risk that you suffer a Joe Theismann type injury? Well, they won the division two years ago. They nearly made the playoffs last year. They've brought in players, players coming at wide receiver. Like they have good players. They're a good team. Not, so I just don't understand his logic. Obviously, if it's uh, money oriented, fine. He'll go, else, go somewhere else next year and make a lot more money. But it means it's a very attractive offer on the table. So why I, wouldn't he sign that contract? Yeah, I, I think Cousins, I think a lot of it comes down to respect. I think mm. the first the first year when they put the franchise tag on, they made an offer that was, you know, it wasn't suitable for what he was and for what he was to the team. So I think when the second one came around, although, yeah, numbers-wise, again, I think the biggest thing about NFL contracts and anyone that works in the industry in the NFL, they always say it, all these big guaranteed numbers, they don't actually mean guaranteed. There, there's finer details in that that you're, you're not going to get it all. So we don't know the full makeup of what the offer was from um, the Redskins. Yeah. So again, I put it down to Cousins felt again, he wasn't being respected enough. Um, he feels he's had to prove himself. And why sign it when you can make... X amount, and I think his stats for the last few years, no matter how bad this season goes, he could have the worst year of his life. He will still get picked up next season. And it's, it's interesting you make that point because I believe, and it was reported in a few instances, it's a hundred million figure, but the guarantees were akin to a Colin Kaepernick type contract. It was after the first two seasons that you could almost cut him without too much dead money. So you're absolutely right. Maybe he feels a lack of respect. I always remember with Cousins a few years ago, he was a starter and he won a comeback game screaming you should youtube it uh, do you like that screaming as he was coming down the tunnel at the then gm scott mclenahan which was uh, you could sense was maybe a little bit of tension arising there but we will see he's going to be playing as you say under the franchise tag they cut past the deadline to do a long-term deal now there are others in that category and you mentioned a very interesting one levy and bell so I mean, Gordon, you're you're our resident Steelers fan here, along with the Browns and others. But um, <laughs> Le- Le'Veon Bell has come out with a very interesting statement. He said, "I was an amazing receiving back last year. I am the lead rece- uh, running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's very simple. I don't care what running backs are paid. I want to be paid like a number one running back plus the salary you would give to a number two wide receiver." It's it's an interesting one. So he's been tagged for. 12.1 million for the coming season what he was offered basically was 30 million over two years and 42 over three that number surpasses peterson's number that he would have made a few years ago mm-hmm. so he's been offered massive running back money but like you say he feels he's a wide receiver as well in a sense and the stats kind of back that up as in uh, for the last four years he's second in the team to uh, antonio brown for receiving yards he's second to antonio brown for catches um over the years and then according to pro football focus he started 93 percent of the snaps for the Steelers when he's been out in the field so he stays healthy when he can um obviously he's had a few f- suspensions and a few things like that in the past but when he's healthy he plays uh he's a dual threat running back and a wide receiver and like he should be paid but I suppose the only problem is if they pay him 
it sets the precedent for other it's going to be so out of whack in relation to it i mean the the one thing i was going to just add to your comment though he stays healthy he didn't in the playoff game last season which was the most important game of the season you know so so that might be playing against him in the pittsburgh thing but it's going to send it so out of whack i know we touched on it before and it might come up in in a minute but running back value has been affected just one more point he hasn't reported to training campus yet and antonio brown has come out saying you're not really going the right way about if you want to get this contract because when Antonio Brown's gone through his he still turned up to training they don't, camp but the, but the Steelers don't care about training camp as in to be honest if anything they're sitting there going please don't come to training camp because it means you'll be healthy for the start of the season everyone kind of forgets running backs the less mileage they put on the clock the better and that's a simple fact in running back terms so everyone knows he will be there for game one because he's mm. not going to miss out on his match bonuses simple fact he will be there so it's this kind of thing, well, can he get the Steelers to bend? I don't think he will. The general uh, manager, Mr. Calvert, has said he will, he will be, uh, there's repercussions to come for him not turning up. Yeah. Now, what that is, I'm sure will be kept between closed doors, so maybe we won't exactly know the nature of what he means by that. But. As a Steelers fan, I'm, he can stay away from training camp. It doesn't bother me. Cause as just, long as he's there for week one? He'll be there for week one. There, is, in, there is no way that he misses out on the money. We've spoken about it before. NFL players... Yeah, they might love the city, they might love the team, but they love the green a lot more. And that is a simple fact. So he's not going to miss out on his first week check. Um, so he'll be there for week one. But it's a, it's an interesting one because it creates that debate. Is in Carolina Panthers is going to be an interesting one with their new uh, running back. Um, and kind of he's going to be the same kind of dual threat. So in a few years' time, it could be another discussion. Well, McCaffrey, Chris McCaffrey, McCaffrey yeah. in the Carolina Panthers. And actually, I think this is the reason as well that... Um, uh, Freeman, Devontae Freeman hasn't been able to do a deal with the Falcons because he's very much a dual threat running yeah. back. And the most interested party, I would say, is actually David Johnston in uh, Arizona. Arizona. Because, yeah. uh, you know, he has been the bright spot for Arizona all of last season. He is, for me, one of even more dynamic than Bell, I would say, as both a receiving and a running threat. And he's looking to get paid. In the well. last uh, part, we kind of touched on Freeman because we felt that it looked at that stage that the contract was going to be negotiated and signed off so it was a case of the evaluation in terms of what was available to other running backs would have been I suppose a lot clearer by now but that's not the case so yeah it could, it could be a little bit like dominoes with Derek Carr doing his deal maybe when Cousins does his deal next there'll be a lot of quarterback extensions maybe waiting for the first domino to fall in sure, top right. tier running backs because the lower tier is cheap there was even a conversation yesterday on, on NFL Network Matthew Stafford was asked about his current contract so that's obviously been negotiated at the moment he's playing the game very well he's saying I'm here to, here to play football and have to discuss Fair enough. I'll, I'll leave the powers of B to resolve that Fair enough. Um, other things have been going on. It's not just been all about the players as well. Gordo, we've had some more general manager shenanigans in the last couple of weeks. Yes, Carolina Panthers. They have parted ways with uh, Dave Gettleman. So I suppose it's interesting to understand the, the backstory of this. Gettleman was brought in to bring down the cap, um, to, I suppose, cut players that, again, are too expensive for the Panthers. And it worked. Uh, it got them to a squad where... They competed for a Super Bowl and they built around uh, Cam Newton. But apparently there's been unrest with the players within uh, the Panthers who feel negotiating with him has become such a stress. And everyone knows that the owner of the Panthers is a very much a, a player first owner. He, yeah. the, in, the interests of the player are what matter him to him most, as in apparently he's great friends with Greg Olson and with Davis Sr. as well. So it's kind of the situation where 
Gettleman was between the, the owner and Gettleman. The owner said, well, the players matter most, so you're gone. Good luck. Yeah. And he's brought in uh, Marty Herney, who has been part of the organization. I don't know what role he used to play. I, th- I thought it was GM. Not 100% sure, but he was there in the good old days. Um, so he's been brought back in on an interim basis. Uh, hasn't been made uh, 100% confirmed yet. So he's going back to, to basics. It, very interesting to say, obviously, Carolina owner is Jerry Richardson. He's the only former player who's an owner in the NFL and has weird things like he does not have the Carolina Panthers logo at midfield because he thinks it should be the NFL shield. Yeah. He believes the NFL is more sacrosanct. So very much a player's owner. You're absolutely right. Brian, yeah, it was unusual the way it happened because um, Gettleman arrived that morning. He met with the coaching staff and they were discussing training camps and strategies around what they're going to do. And then he just happened by all accounts to go in and meet Mr. Richards to say, look, I'm back. And he goes, well, you're not back for very long. <laughs> you're gone. And, uh, Riverboat Run didn't even know until a couple of hours later that he had been sacked. So it was an unusual. We got, we're going through this season of head coaches not finding out key information. We're talking about John Fox last week, not knowing about who they were planning to draft. So, uh, look, it's, I say it's been a bizarre year for GMs. Weird timing to release, you know, with the Chiefs, with the Bills, and the Panthers is even more bizarre when you consider the new GM can't do anything with his bloody team. It's all set, and he, he hasn't picked the players. Well, Gordon alluded to it, um, by all accounts, the final... The, the, you know, the Straw that broke the camel's back. Yes, yeah. that's the word I was looking for, was that uh, uh, Greg Olson and uh, Thomas Davis Sr., who are deemed to be you know, player-orientated in terms of team ethic and all, and all the rest, are not necessarily money-motivated in terms of other players. They are the ones that kind of called out that they weren't very happy, and when he heard that, you know, he could live with the other ones in terms of Josh Norman, Steve Smith, D'Angelo Williams leaving over the years, but these two in particular are very close to the owner. And when that was, you that know, was, too much, if you like. It's it's good you point on that. Gettleman had reinvented the place. Steve Smith had left under a bit of a cloud. D'Angelo Williams had left under a bit of a cloud. He cut Josh Norman last year instead of really getting any type of return for a fundamentally key cornerback uh, one. And... Even more interesting for me as well is one other little nugget. The assistant GM, uh, Brandon Bean, had actually been hired by the Bills a month previously. So if you knew you were going to get rid of Gettleman, you might leave the number two there to, to migrate up to the role. Which, so, which answers, which I was just saying around the whole, he, he very much did it on a whim. Yeah. 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 But look, anyway, it's a very interesting contrast to the situation, the more settled team like Denver. Denver have just extended John Elway's contract for another five years. He's actually going to make more money per year than he ever did as a player, which I think is $6 million a year, and he averaged at 4.9 as a player. And that's the way, perhaps, to do business. Uh, Carolina demonstrated, perhaps, the way not uh, to do business from time to time. Now, uh, just before we get on to training camp, just a little uh, note as well. Nearly everybody's attending training camp. We've all the first rounders signed up now. There was a, a few holdouts for a while. Corey Davis of the Tennessee Titans, their wide receiver, is the last one signed up. So no one's doing a Joey Bosa this year. All the first rounders are signed up to camp. The slotting of rookie contracts has helped again. Miles Garrett, the first round pick, messed it up a little bit with some of the language he got into his contract this year. But it's all done. Everyone's gone to training camp. Brian, what's happening in training camp? What's going on? I think it's more, you know, it's unusual because you're so used to every year who's holding out, who's not, and who's close to signing deal, and who won't be playing in pre-season because they haven't signed their contracts. But uh, it seems to be injuries now. Um, Joe Flacco, I think, is probably the, the main one. He's due to, they're expecting he's going to miss the next three to six weeks. Will he be ready for week one? When they go to Cincinnati, it's, um, it's a big ask. Um, this conversation around who they're going to bring in. They signed a couple of quarterbacks 
off the scrap heap this week that I don't think many people even heard of. They've released them since, so they're obviously not the answer. As a backup, there's one particular quarterback that they're looking at at the moment. We might get into that shortly, who that is. But uh, um, that concerns me. He's three to six weeks. Um, I, I listened to his former uh, former Ravens coach, uh, Brian Billick, and he says it might be three to six weeks, but if he goes in week one, week two, and gets a, a hit on that particular part of the body, I think it's a serious back injury, um, they reckon, you know, he said he could be gone again for a number of months. So that's a... And then I think the Ravens yesterday, they also lost uh, one of their offensive linemen who they drafted very high up. He's gone for the season as well. It's literally... Yeah, Nico Siragusa, he did the uh, the trifecta, the PCL, the MCL and the ACL. So yeah. It just seems to be one thing after another with the Baltimore Ravens at the moment. Yeah, they, they lost a couple of other players as well. I mean, I was almost thinking of Edgar Allan Poe, you know, quote the Raisin, Raven nevermore. I mean, they must be claiming or crying for no more injuries during training camp because some of them are coming up from warm-ups. It, yeah. It's a ridiculous situation. Which you'd wonder then what exactly they're... Well, more exactly. For <laughs> prepping for them in Strength and conditioning yeah. coaches might get fired yeah. uh, as occurred in the New England Patriots a few years ago. Um, I was going to mention about the Chargers as well. They had terrible injury woes last year. They really had bad luck with injuries. This year, new season, new start. What happens? Their first round pick, seventh in the overall draft, Mike Williams, is injured. And they're trying to say he won't need surgery, but there's conflicting reports and he may ultimately miss the whole season. So the no. initial reports were that he was gone for the entire season. Then he was just gone for training camp, may make the back end of preseason games. But now they're saying they're going to just take him out. Yeah. I suppose back to the whole Bell situation, you know, once he's ready for week one, that's the key focus of the team. And, you know, he's a definite, you know, upgrade in what they had last year. But, yeah. Um, and there's a little bit for them. Can Keenan Allen stay healthy as well, which would be interesting. Um, there's other stories. I mean, it's not all about injuries, though. I mean, we are seeing some football. I, look, training camp, I feel conflicted about. There's part of me that loves it because you start to see a bit of football and a bit of hearing, start to get excited. And there's part of me that hates it because people get overly excited in relation to it. But there are a few key competitions that people are starting to try and see, well, how is all that going to play out? Gordo, are there any you're keeping your eye on during the offseason? It's the quarterback competition for a couple of the teams. I think the big one is the Texans and the Broncos. And again, I think it's because they're the only teams that don't have uh, a franchise-style quarterback in place, uh, but have kind of differing uh, degrees of kind of up-and-comers. Well, they don't have a clear number one, I'd say. It's like the Browns Sorry. and 49ers. And yeah, they don't have a clear number one. So but so with the Texans, we're currently looking at Savage versus um, Deshaun Watson. We also kind of had a discussion. Well, they've taken the Oswald, uh, they've gotten rid of Osweiler. They have Savage. They now have Watson. So who's going to be your starting uh, number one? And I suppose Bill O'Brien's at that stage where we said it before, he's known as the quarterback whisperer. So this is pretty much his last chance. He's failed on Osweiler. So who is he going to bet the bank on? Is he going to go with Savage, who he gave a couple of games? So I think he's played two games last season. Or does he go with a rookie in Watson and do what every head coach hates and throw a rookie in first game of the season? So uh, it's an interesting one. I, I'm not too sure. He's, he's raving about him in training camp. Uh, we put some information up on the podcast last week, which was coming from NFL.com. But when in his uh, press conference yesterday, he said he's never seen a rookie quarterback so ready for the NFL at this stage. That's right. I mean, we, we all have access to Twitter. I think you posted up and I, I kind of replied underneath to say, well, yeah, that's code for this kid better be good or else I lose my job. Um, it's, so. it's kind of it's kind of worrying when they're saying that because then... Putting the pressure on the poor guy. Yeah, if you're Watson, you're sitting there kind of going, well, sound for that. You know, throw me in and he might throw a couple of interceptions and we've seen what happens. If that happens and it continues to happen for game two, three, and next thing the head coach is like, well, I've got to make a change. So 
I decided I was going to go with you, but actually, no, I'm going to go with somebody else and bench you. You've, kind of, you've just ruined the development of a quarterback. So it'll be it'll be intriguing. I think he will go at Watson. I think Savage hasn't done enough for himself. I looked at their at their schedule just, a bit, just early on. So they're at home to the Jags week one. I mean, if he starts and it's a winnable game at home, whether Savage is the quarterback or not. So if Watson starts and they win the game, he's full of confidence. The second game is a way to Cincinnati. And sure, we've been giving out about Cincinnati for weeks and end here on this podcast. So again, a, a very winnable game. So if he is to have a good start and they win the first two games. Yeah, you know, but, but you actually... It could go the other way. True. It could go the other way because they're two not very nice defences to play against. The Jags' strength, if any, is D-line and their defence and the Bengals are always uh, competitive, shall we say, in a defensive manner as long as they don't give away stupid penalties. But... Yeah, if you start with the rookie, you want to hope he gets off to a good start. He wants start. a Matt Ryan start where he shows his first touchdown with his first pass of his NFL career. Yeah, that was fantastic. Actually, it was 80-yarder as well. It was yeah. great. I think uh, some of the other ones that are interesting is the uh, Eddie Lacy story of the training camp and whether or not the poor lad will make weight, you know. Um, he's, 255 pounds he had he, to he's, get uh, he's looking heavy set and, you know, uh, carrying around a bit of weight in the Seahawks jersey. So it'll... Uh, hilarious photograph on twitter yesterday of um big mac attached to his helmet and chased, <laughs> chased the big mac well like you, you know you know you're uh going to be in for a tough training camp when you get paid to lose weight so like you know the fact that every time he loses 10 pounds he makes x amount but the only problem is then once the season starts that's going to skyrocket again we've seen what happens and it's unfortunate because he had a year where it, this seems to have only kicked off really in the last two to three seasons uh, like when he first came into the league I didn't think it was that big an issue the last season with the Packers obviously just the size of him he just didn't look like a running back so I don't know it's an issue because he is he's a quality quality running back he's but it's just yeah but the only problem is when he gets too big he just there's no movement on him he can't he, he can't, doesn't have any size step no agility so uh, yeah the fact is he's getting paid to lose weight it's, yeah. a, it's a nice little gig to have maybe, for summer maybe HR and we yeah. Try that into I was going to say Eddie Lacy will get fifty thousand dollars if he makes under two hundred fifty-five pounds. Um, I I would quite happily take ten dollars to be under uh, <laughs> two hundred fifty-five pounds this week. To be honest, um, so yeah, no, that's that's you're dead right. It's an interesting, yeah. intriguing thing, and every every month because we all know the details. Every time the the timeline's coming up, it's almost like ESPN and everyone's kind of watching it. Um, and yeah, is again kind of competition side of stuff is interesting, but some of the other ones are obviously with. Uh, the Chargers and their move uh, to LA this year. The really interesting one was when we spoke about this, Rivers seemed to have kind of accepted it. He was going to get behind the move. He was looking forward to it, etc. Next thing the article came out during the week that actually he's still living at home in San Diego with his eight children. Can't forget that he has eight, <laughs> eight children. He doesn't want to upset and uproot. Uh, and move them about, which is understandable when you've got eight kids to worry about. I was, I was going to yeah. say, you've got to give him some slack. Yeah, if, if you had two or three, you'd kind of think, come on, it's not that hard. But eight kids is understandable. But he's now basically taking, uh, he's a driver um, who will bring him from San Diego to the training facility every day. So it takes roughly about 45 minutes apparently uh, in the morning. And then about an hour and something in the evening to get back home again. So it's not the worst. He said he's hired a driver so that he can, you know, do work in the car. He's not going to be leaving the facility early to make it home, etc., just for him, it made the most sense. He didn't want to move away from his church, all that kind of stuff. He won't be doing any baby feeds, so. No, I think he'll be. I think he'll be leaving. At, he says he he enjoys the training camp atmosphere where you stay late, you get your work done. So that's not going to change. It just means it's extra commute for him at the moment. I know, but I mean, I, I'm 45 minute commute with someone driving you to and from. It's it's maybe not the worst. The interesting thing for me about the charge move is actually 
the circumstances, brand new training fields, brand new locations. They're ultimately going to be playing in front of 30,000 people. I mean, Carson Palmer, I was working out, if he plays the Chargers at any point during I don't think he does, but if he did, it would be the smallest crowd he played in since um, Little, uh, not Little League, what's uh, Pop Warner. Like his high school had bigger it's, crowds it's, than this. This is, this it's, is it's, the, it's the StubHub Centre they're playing in. Um, I've been yeah. there. I was there last summer. Um, it's actually, it's it's not a bad stadium at all. It's, it's, it is small, but it's uh, the way it's done, it won't feel like there's only 30,000 people there. But uh, yeah, the fact that you're going from whatever their crowd capacity was before to 30,000, 65,000. 65, yeah. And I think it makes sense for them financially as well, because let's be honest, the, the, the fans weren't going to all travel to LA for their matches. They were going to lose a huge amount. So I think 30,000 means that hopefully they'll sell out their games. And it will seem like a full atmosphere, but uh, it, it's yeah. not a bad stadium. I think for a year, it, it, you'd uh, imagine the teams on the road going in there this year will feel there's a reasonable chance of pulling out and a win there. Yeah, they won't be overall. They're going to a stadium where they're going to Qualcomm. It's a bit more difficult. No, and, and yeah, and it's a soccer-built stadium. Um, mm. like, so it, it, yeah, soccer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> can't, can't be talking about that. Um, you, you say Qualcomm was threatening the last couple of years. People weren't turning up to the, the Chargers games. Patriots it's and Cowboys right. both played there, and it was like a home game for them. But you're right. I, I just think <coughs> 30,000, they'll lose a couple of games based on that. That's that's going to be a big impact. Well, they had the opportunity to address it. The owner did his utmost. Spain did. In San Diego. Yeah, and uh, so the it didn't work out for them. not weren't willing to meet him halfway in terms of investing money to, to readdress the stadium that is... Yeah, that is maybe smaller than, than necessary. We will see. We will see how it works out. Before we go on to other stories, actually, I just wanted to bring you back to the, the quarterback point with the Texans. I mean, you say Bill O'Brien's quarterback whisperer. They are one of four teams that this year will start their fifth consecutive different opening day quarterback. That's not exactly a, a record you want to be holding. Well, I, I think he's proven that because, again, he was Tom Brady's quarterback coach. Um, so I think it's kind of been proven... No, it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady that makes you look good. It's not that you're actually good because uh, his last few years in in uh, with the Texans hasn't proven that he actually knows what he's doing with the quarterback. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think this is last year. Uh, you can't exactly go through much more with it, but it'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Yeah, and we'll see. We'll see whoever he picks if it if it pans out and if they're still the starting quarterback by the end of the season. And um, just to touch on another couple of quarter. Uh, uh, sorry, training camp uh, debates or kind of interesting stories. I'm very intrigued by a couple of O-line competitions that are going on as well. So offensive line. The Seahawks have never had a decent offensive line for Russell Wilson. And if you look at them this season, there's maybe one starter and who who knows elsewhere. So they've got a real challenge to try and figure out if they're going to sort it out. And the Raiders. I mean, we touched on the pod last week when we were talking about free agency. Some really big money deals being given to guards, to tackles, to centers. You know, the O-line was being invested in. People have seen the success of the Titans and the Cowboys, and they're investing. Since then, Liel Collins and the Cowboys got another big deal. Brandon Linder of the Jags uh, got another big deal. So again, new money. The Raiders, the O-line has been their strength. It's protected car. It's given a good running game. And now... You've got Donald Penn, their left tackle, holding out because he's seen the money going elsewhere. Yep. They've let go of their starting right tackle last year and they're relying probably on Newcomb or some rookie to come through. And it's kind of like, well, are you undermining what could be and should be a big contender? It, 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 again, offensive line is not 
an area myself or Brian are uh, expertise. No, but uh, we understand the importance of it, obviously, because it makes the quarterbacks look good. But um, yeah, the importance the teams are showing towards it. Uh, I think the Rams are a really interesting one at the moment because I read an article and it went through the fact that they've completely shifted the O-line this year for Goff because they said, well, last year Goff had uh, a left tackle and that couldn't protect him. Um, so they've completely changed the the offensive line for him and they think it's going to make a massive difference. They brought in some veterans, they've moved some people from right tackle to right guard. So they're putting in the emphasis on the offensive line because it does make a huge difference. So the Rams think Goff this year could actually become a good quarterback. With the Raiders, I think... Um, yeah, again, a lot of it come down to money as well. They, they're doing, no doubt, some of this stuff is to do with the cap, mm-hmm. what makes sense for the team in the long term. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, will it affect um, Derek Carr uh, in yeah. the long term? I mean, Donald Penn is the classic one. He's seen the money Derek Carr got. He's seen the money that uh, Gabe Jackson got. Um, he, uh, and Osmaley is on good money there as a guard position as well. And he's seen the money everyone else is getting, saying, where's mine at, I, I suppose, in relation to it. Look, before Raiders fans give out to us, we know Mike Tice is a brilliant offensive line coach and he can make wine out of water there. Uh, there's very few good ones like him. There's Munchak in Titans, Scarnatti in, in Patriots. But, you know, it's just one thing that's interesting for me, I think, to see will it undermine them and how that will develop. Well, I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you got that. I got, I got that yeah. off my chest. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. No yeah. problem. So, I mean, moving slightly past training camp, we could talk about Bortles throwing five interceptions. We can talk about stupid fights going on. But look, you know, it's early days, guys. It's just on the countdown to proper football really coming back. It is interesting, though, who's not there. So there are a few free agents of very interesting names still lurking around that aren't playing or training with any teams at the moment. Yeah, there's three in particular, right? Quite surprised at this stage that they haven't been picked up. Uh, Anquan Bolden, um, very productive last year for the Lions. Uh, it was good in San Francisco the year before that. He was in with the Bills last week. Bills really do need to upgrade their wide receivers. Um, Watkins is a bit in and out. We don't know what's going to come from him this season. He left without a deal. I was a bit surprised that he didn't at least try to come to a compromise there. Uh, Darrell Revis, um, I mean, he's had his own issues off, off the field this season. Revis so. Island is no more. Yeah, mm-hmm. could be the case. I still imagine someone will pick him up come. You know, the back end of preseason, where players go down on injuries, it's bound to be one or two teams that have long-term injuries, pick them up on a cheap one-year deal. And then the last one, in, which is of keen interest of all of us, is the Colin Kaepernick situation. So said earlier on that there's a possibility the Ravens are considering beginning another quarterback. It's it's Cap. Um, quite surprised he hasn't been signed by now, to be honest. I actually think I'm on the other side of the fence. So I actually think he's a very good quarterback. He's brought the 49ers within and drove into the Super Bowl and then you know nearly a throw he didn't make true true but winning the Super Bowl my big my big question is what are the similarities between Flacco and Kaepernick I don't really see them one moves a lot and one like you know there's 96 quarterbacks um, under contract under contract in the NFL Um, you can't tell me he shouldn't be one of those 96 based on his career to date no, I, I look, my, my take on Colin Kaepernick is very simple. One, I'm sick and tired of reading about him, and it's been such an overblown story for the whole year, and there's there's so too much nonsense being talked about. It's not football related. It's not, what do you, do you know, it's not football related. I think it's all football related, ultimately, because one thing is, he is not a good enough to start as a starting quarterback so in the thing. I, he was on the 115 team last year. He's lost his fastball. He never had touch on his throws. And yes, he's dynamic and he's exciting. If you could get Colin Kaepernick at 2012 back into the room, I'd 
Jeez, I'd replace Brady with him because he'd be 24 years so you old. Say he it's was... not, you say it's not. Uh, you say it is football related. I don't believe it is football related. Okay, there's obviously the issues last year where he was kneeling down during during the national anthem. So you have Robert Griffin III, who joined the NFL around the same time as him, who got a he got a look in with the Chargers last week. So last year his his ratings. He played for a one in fifteen team last year as well, the Cleveland Browns. He threw, albeit he was injured for some games, he threw four touchdowns for the season, capping to twenty. Captain had a passing rate of 93%. He threw 60, um, 60 interceptions by Griffin, four by Kaepernick. Stats don't add up to two quarterbacks comparable, playing for two poor teams. But yeah, one of them gets a try last week. It's down to the issue off the field. When I look at this, uh, and I keep harping, it's been on all summer. Um, we literally hear people, and I, we're going to move on fairly quickly because it is one of these topics. It's overdone at this stage. But Albert Breer said it. If a team needs a quarterback, and if Kaepernick was good enough, there is no coach that wouldn't go to the general manager and say, he is good enough, we need him, let's get him. It, I, I personally don't think it's anything other than football related. He either doesn't fit the schemes or coaches don't rate him. It's but, as simple as that. Or or he wants too much money. We actually don't know we don't what know money that I, he wants to play for and what but, the conversations But, 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 but with the Ravens, I don't see how he fits in with them. If, if He's going to be a back. Yeah, but if Flacco, but if Flacco goes down... I, they're completely different quarterbacks. So how does he go into an offensive... He was talking with Seattle, and if he got the Seattle backup gig, that makes much more sense. Yeah, that makes Very sense. Very similar quarterback to Russell Wilson and that nature. Look, does, does, I hear you on one point, Brian. He should be at least a backup. He's the, definitely one of the best 64 quarterbacks. I just don't well, think he's one of the best And 32. they also say that he's trouble, okay? But last year, ah. there's, there's an award by the San Francisco 49ers every year the most prestigious award you have it's called the Len Esmont Award it's given by the players the players vote for it Kaepernick got it last year because he was voted by the team that he is the most team oriented player that's there so you don't get that if you're trouble yeah. okay so well I mean I, um, I still believe come week one he'll be, he'll Steve, be signed Steve somewhere. Biscotti the owner of the Ravens has apparently announced he well he has said we are consulting with fans we are consulting with sponsors we are taking a view and he also had the expression pray for us when it was announced they were talking to Kaepernick sounds like the song it does sound like a bit I'll give you that it does sound like he is considering more than just football reasons they've had enough learnings uh, to make sure people are okay with what they do after Ray Rice and you know a few other incidents they actually asked for Ray Rice's not, not Ray Rice sorry Lewis, uh, sorry, the, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. They've asked him for advice on where they should sign him. I don't think they should be going to him. No, no, no. Ray, Ray Lewis might be able to find a, a white suit from uh, 2000 uh, again uh, at some point. Uh, yeah. Before anyway, he we could be here talking about Cap. There the tree. Well, the, the only tree. the only other interesting connection I want to draw is at what point has or will John Harbour pick up the phone to Brother Jim over in Michigan now and say, you know that guy who nearly won you a Super Bowl a couple of years ago when we beat you in the Super Bowl? What do you really think of him? And the head coach, as you say, might win out. So yeah. we will see. Yeah. So, um, guys, just a couple of other things to touch on. I suppose just before the next couple of weeks, we're going to be going through kind of team-by-team team reviews. We're going to talk really in different categories. We're going to talk about the hopeless, the hopeful, and those with one pure hope to win the Super Bowl, all the way building up to week one. And, of course, talking about preseason and training camp stories as they develop. But before we get on to that, it's probably worthwhile reminding people there's been a few changes to the structure of some of the rules and some of the cut downs that are going to occur in the next while and even more interestingly um, Goodell was on record last week talking about the fact of people don't like preseason games we may cut preseason games in the future this is one of the most the longest running stories in the NFL for years there's been talk of increasing the league to 18 games 
and reducing the preseason down to two. Um, two bye weeks, two, yeah. I don't, yeah, well, two preseason games. So they'll still work within the same window in terms of the calendar of the league. It will start two weeks earlier in August. You'll uh, lose two preseason games and you start the season, you play 18 games, still run on the same base that the Super Bowl is early February. But uh, I don't know how they're going to address this because as it continues fight back from players around playing 18 competitive games and they've inadvertently gone down the road by changing the rule on overtime to reduce it to 10, 10 minutes instead of 15 and the thinking behind that is that you have a team playing overtime for 15 minutes because there has been one or two games probably not a lot that have gone the full 15 minutes that team then has to come out and probably possibly play on Thursday night so that was the thinking behind it to reduce the time within overtime but you know, everybody's been saying for years that these Thursday night games are no good and the league should possibly just think about getting rid of them rather than reduce your overtime rules. But again... Too much money. True. You know, you've got your... The rights and I seem to be opening up Thursday night matches to various different TV networks across the US. It used to be kind of confined to, say, I think it's NFL Network and then some games were on NBC, but there was CBS and get involved. So CBS have some, NBC yeah. have some, and then the NFL hopefully dominates Thursday nights, Monday nights, so, all day Sunday. Yeah. So yeah. reducing games, don't see it. Uh, reducing the time the games are played, possibly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I think the overtime rule is a bit overdone as well because how many overtime games are actually decided in the last five minutes of overtime? It's been statistically quite a very low level. So, yeah, to be honest, I don't see all this kind of talk. It doesn't really change much for the coming season, in my opinion. I think it's we're not going to see it in effect as much as people. It hasn't deserved the press that it's gotten. Yeah. Personally. Well, it's good you say that because there's one little rule that's gone below the radar that I think will have an effect, and it's the timing rules in the last couple of minutes of a half or the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. Used to be the case, a runner or receiver runs out of bounds, the clock is stopped until the next snap. It's now the case, the runner or receiver runs out of bounds, as soon as the ball is placed back ready by the officials, the clock restarts. And it's only 5, 10, 15 seconds in the, in the difference but for me, I think that will affect a game. I think Andy Reid, I'll just call it out, is going to mess up his time management at some point, or some quarterback is going to mess up his time management in the last few seconds of a fourth quarter and forget the way the new rule works. Yeah, no, it'll be an interesting one. Um, yeah, the two-minute drills are going to be uh, uh, very important for teams this uh, offseason. Make sure they nail them and yeah, bear that in mind. I suppose mm. it's going to quicken it up as well, which is a very interesting point. You know, yeah, but won't give them the opportunity to make changes on the the team like you see if, it, if the player goes out of balance the clock stop gives them an opportunity to get one or two players off the field and bring in an extra tight end depending on what change formation yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah so look as I say I think it's very under the radar but it will change games the last one I want to say is just to remind listeners there is now we're going to go through the off season we're going to go through training camp we're going to go through preseason, and there's ultimately only going to be one cut down so you're going to have your teams of 90 cut down to 53 in one foul swoop yeah. um, so you know the impact of that, particularly on the lower end uh, of the roster, Brian? Yeah, well, normally it used to be down to 75, and the players that drop off between the 1975, that gives them an opportunity within pre-season to try to find another home. Another home alternative employment. Um, but if you're cutting it down, and generally the cut-down is done, I think, 10 days or there after the last pre-season game, which is usually a week before the season starts. So, um, I mean, it doesn't give players who do get cut, and you're going to have 40 players dropping off from each team a week before the season starts. So Yeah. That's yeah. true. So, look, I mean, there's a, there's a few other things we could touch on. There's been a few retirements. Jags lost Brandon Albert. They lost the second, seventh round pick for nothing. Rob Ninkovich has retired from the Patriots. And Ryan Clady just this week announced his retirement from the Broncos. So there's a few gaps appearing in certain teams. 
But I want to end on a, a slightly lighter note. I think the retirements speak for themselves, but I want to end on a slightly lighter note. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady will turn 40 years of age on August the 3rd. And uh, I suppose, I mean, I've no advice for him in relation to how he manages himself. But Brian, being of your advanced years, I wonder <laughs> if uh, you might have advice how he manages his 40s. Yeah, I haven't got there yet, Mark. Yeah. Oh, really? Come, think, back, uh, come back to you, Mark, next year and we'll have a conversation. I'm pretty confident he has it fairly nailed down with himself and uh, Giselle and everything they do and the lifestyle they live and their avocado ice cream and the likes. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure he doesn't need advice from us, although if he does... He won't, he won't be heading out for pints tomorrow, then. No, he won't be heading out for pints. Well, again, if he ever wants to come over to Ireland, we'll show him how it's done, a proper healthy diet, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, the oldest outfield player in the NFL. We'll, will we'll be. make up for him on that side. We'll make up for him. We'll, we'll help him out. Yeah, the, just, o- the just, oldest player next Just season. a quick one. I know we went through the retirements. There is one I want to mention because it's going back to the old thing about the head concussions issue. Is John Urschel uh, retired from the Ravens? So 26-year-old center, but he is regarded as the smartest man in the NFL, has a PhD in mathematics, and he's gone to join MIT to do his uh, doctorate. So, and again, his reason being, you know, he's conscious that the head issues could affect his maths in the future, and it's a love of his. So he decided at the age of 26, and he was a player that's played quite a lot in the last two seasons for the Ravens. He's decided at the age of 26, and we've seen it with the San Francisco 49ers the last few years, players are now making conscious decisions that it's just not worth it health-wise. Yeah. So. Chris, Chris, Bo- Borland, Chris Borland, I think he was it. from the 49ers linebacker who made the same call. But um, you're absolutely right with CTE and the impacts. He's made that logical, well, sorry, not necessarily logical, for him a logical decision. And yet again, sums up another loss the Ravens have had in the last couple of weeks and a, a pretty bad couple of weeks for them. Look, on that note, we're going to call our final play of the week. This has been episode three of the Irish NFL podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at IrishNFLPod and do subscribe to hear our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. But for now, we'll join you next week starting off our team previews. But for now, it's goodbye from Brian. Goodbye. Goodbye from Gordon. Thank you very much. And goodbye from me. Goodbye.